Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for High Velocity Radio. Lee Cantor here, another episode of High Velocity Radio, and this is going to be a fun one. Today we have with us Doug Ramsdell with Burnham Benefits. Welcome, Doug. Thank you. Before we get too far into things, tell us about Burnham Benefits. How are you serving folks? Well, it's an interesting time for employee benefits. That's what we do. We do consulting to employers throughout the United States for their employee benefits, helping them make sure that they do it the right way to attract employees, which as we, I'm sure, are going to talk about as a challenge, and doing it where it doesn't break the bank, so to speak, for the employer and they can stay in business. Now, can you talk about how uh, the importance of a firm like yours during a crisis like COVID, how did you kind of help your clients kind of weather that storm? Yeah, I think the the, the first thing is getting through the short term, right? So it, it's, it's the panic a little bit of that, which is how are we going to keep our employees happy? How do we keep our employees, right? So the first part of COVID was all about the lockdown and the knee-jerk reaction, and where we came into play was let's be careful of what, about what we do in the, in the short term so that it serves you well in the long term. I mean, we think about the financial crisis in 2008 and the impact that might have had on your investment decisions or your real estate decisions. It, it's kind of similar in employee benefits. Like a lot of employers in that moment need some coaching, help, and direction to make sure that they took advantage and did things intelligently to set themselves up for the long term. And that's really our, our role in, in, in this whole journey. Now, um, when you're working with your clients, it's, it has to be a partnership for, uh, the client to kind of get the most out of the relationship. How do you kind of proactively encourage those kind of meetings and conversations so that a client does kind of ring out the most value from a relationship with Burnham? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. I think it really goes back to probably, how we would want any business relationship to be. And that is, let's move from transactional, right, to, to conversational and strategic. What does that mean? Uh, instead of looking at someone like our company, and we're essentially insurance brokers and saying, can you help me shop and place the plan that I think I want? Instead, to step back and engage in a conversation that says, you think you want that plan, but Why? And, and let's talk a little bit more in detail about your business, what kind of employees will grow your business, and how you attract those employees. I think a lot of employers might need your just say, hey, I think that uh, my peers are doing this benefit package, and I need to do the same or better. But if we step back just enough to say, who's the type of employee that we're attracting, it may actually be not your competitive employer groups from a business standpoint. It could be other industries. We might find ourselves, for example, attracting and growing our business best with younger employees that are, say, under the age of 26. Insurance benefits may not be important to that group. So stepping back and and, and evaluating and realizing the best benefit package could be very expensive, but may not necessarily be necessary to grow your business. Now, how does uh, Burnham kind of go to market with that type of um, message in terms of, okay, we're a strategic partner. If you're just shopping for price or the lowest price, we have great prices, sure. But what you're going to get with us is well beyond kind of 
the dollar amount uh, every month. It's we're a partner in this. We're kind of looking out for your best interest. We're kind of we know things that you don't know because we're in this every day uh, studying this. Um, how do you kind of open their mind to that conversation when, like you said, a lot of times people are going, well, my competitor has ABC, so I want ABC and then maybe D. Um, so, you know, just that, that to me is a mindset shift. That's a, it's like you said, it's moving from vendor to partner and not right. every company can really do that. Some people are okay with, Hey, I'm the lowest price. That's why you pick me. Right. I think, I think what you're talking about is almost how society works right now. Right. So, um, if you go to the doctor or you talk to a doctor nowadays, they're frustrated by Dr. Google. People come in and say, I need this medication. I want this medication. My, my illness is, is this. So we're, we're overloaded with information and people through all of that information suddenly become or feel like they're an expert in whatever field they want to Google. So I think it's, it's almost having that conversation. Hey, look, let's step back a little bit. And the way that I, that our company does it best is, is begin to ask questions. And these questions will create a thoughtfulness that they can't necessarily answer. Or what we'll do is we'll begin down the road of a partial evaluation of their plan. And I think this is, this has been very effective in our business, which is, Hey, instead of us just telling you what we can do, will you allow us to do a review of your plans and benchmark them and come back with some ideas that could improve your benefits. Are you, are you open to that? And through that process, there's a bit of a test drive going a little deeper that, that engages the employer in a process that they even want to go deeper. They enjoy that process and they see the value of it through that kind of review. And then I like how also you're, you're kind of reframing the conversation around talent and not necessarily the benefits. You're trying to align their kind of overall mission with the importance of their people and then how to serve those people at, uh, at the, at the, in the manner that they want to be served. So the, the actual activity of the insurance and the, and maybe some of the wealth management benefits that you offer are kind of that's just kind of tools you use, but overall you're trying to help them um, with a bigger kind of goal. Right. And, and, and Lee, you made a good point because especially right now there with this tight labor market and, and during this time of, of COVID employers are trying to get labor. They're trying to get people to work. And when we talk to some of even my clients without really having a detailed conversation, they're like, look, we, we got to, we got to offer benefits to our part-time workers. We got to offer to benefits to everybody. But the answer may be no, don't offer benefits. Why? Because health insurance, for example, is very inflationary, very expensive. And there's so many steps you can do before you just throw out health insurance. We can increase pay. We can give bonuses. We can give um, perks that employees may be wanting or are interested in. So, you know, if, if I am, for example, in the hospitality industry, I may just specifically target and say, we are going to, now certainly we can't in HR say, we're going to hire these ages of people. That's, that's not in compliance with, with law. But if I design my benefits where it's especially appealing to a younger age group, then that should work. It should attract. So when you look at your 
potential employees or current employees, they're your clients. How do we build a, a place, a, a place that attracts them? And so that that is really where the conversation is. And, and like you said, Lee, sometimes it might be just, no, they don't do health insurance for them. That's what we do. We help with health insurance. We help with them. We help with vision and, and all the benefits. But But that may be the last thing you want to do for attracting and retaining employees. But if, on the other hand, you have and are growing your business by maybe some PhD types that have spent most of their life getting educated, maybe they're 50 years old with families, then again, now you're talking about orienting your benefit programs that speak to attract to retain those employees. Now, at Burnham, uh, you made a decision to become a certified B Corp. Can you talk about why that was important for you to go that path? Yeah, that's, that's actually a very, very difficult certification to get. I think uh, for us, especially in the employee benefits industry, I don't know that there's anybody else who's a certified B Corp. What it says is that we're committed to not just the environment, but socially conscious method of doing business and social, you know, kind of uh, um, good ways of handling your employees, of treating others, of the uh, of of the world. And I think having gone gone through the certification, it it has to by the nature of the certification become resident in all of the employees that we have who ultimately serve and help. The, the groups that we consult. So when they have an experience in working with us and our staff, it looks very different. And it may be, hey, let's get involved with this philanthropic opportunity. It may be, we're not going to do that because we feel that it is not the right thing to do. So it, it is really a fabric of our culture that gets formalized with the certified B Corp that we think just provides a completely different experience for our clients. And that's also a signal to your employees, right? This is who we are. This is what we stand for. And that's going to attract a certain type of person that is kind of feels the same way, believes the same things. Sure. I mean, it's going back to the tight labor market. What, what do employees want the most? They want a sense of purpose and they don't want just a job. And so if they're aligned with a bigger sense of purpose that is more life-fulfilling and global in view, which I think a certified B Corp does, that makes a huge difference in employee satisfaction retention. And then uh, is this something that I know this is what you guys do, but is it something that your clients are paying attention to that they say, hey, what is that B Corp? Or, hey, uh, you know, how is that working for you? Are they curious about it? Um, I would love to say (laughs) that it just, it's like a, a billboard and people uh, are really curious about it and, and ask a lot of questions. It's usually a conversation we have to bring up and explain. A lot of companies, I think, throw logos or certifications, and sometimes these things just get lost when you look at what a company does. So we try hard to, in the right way, explain it and why it's important. And I think at that time is when we get really employers going, wow, all right, that's that's interesting. And maybe that's something I should do or, or look at. So it, but, but it, we have to draw it out and, and that's, that's uh, takes some time. And, um, but that goes, I think, to the heart of your culture is that you're looking to help people kind of get the most out of their benefits in this case, but you're also trying to serve them 
And uh, this is a great conversation starter. This shows how you're being differentiated from others in your industry and the, and the what's the most important for you. So I think congratulations, kudos to you for going that path. I think I've been following the B Corp movement for quite some time now, and it is unusual for a firm like yours to um, kind of go in that direction. It's not typically insurance companies that are B Corps. Yeah. Thank you very much, Lee. It's hard. You know, it, it, it's, it's, I think there's actually moments when we look at it and be like, okay, you know, this is pretty difficult to do. We got to track service hours and we've got to, you know, it's just, it's not just a, a, an application. We've got to actually show through the course of the year that we've done what is in, included in being a, a, a B Corp and, and, it, and it's, it's a lot of work. Now in your business, are you, do you have kind of a niche that you serve industry wise or you're kind of industry agnostic in your work? Yeah, we, we, um, our, our company, um, about 25% of our business is actually public sector, school districts, governmental entities. Uh, myself, I tend to work all over the United States and my specialty is self-funding. So what is that? What is that? That's just a way to take the insurance company out of the equation and be a little bit more pure in providing your employee benefits, giving the employer more control. But you got to do that in a way that mitigates risk. So, you know, employers aren't saying, wow, this is risky. They can buy insurance and pieces and really dial it down. So it feels uh, pretty safe for them. And then also provides uh, for uh, the employees, a customized better benefits package. Um, so that's one area that we focus on. The other thing is we've, I've actually started a company that is focused on prescription drugs and this is something where it's been very confusing for employers and employees, a lot of money out there on drugs that are being spent and the drug companies are making a lot of money. And there's this in between man or person or entity called a PBM pharmacy benefit manager that has made a lot of money and has gotten a lot of scrutiny. So we've developed a company that will kind of create more transparency in that market. It will take, money from drug companies and get it ultimately in the form of rebates to the employers so they can reduce their drug expense. And it also keeps the PBMs honest. So we, we on average can save 20% on an employer's prescription drug plans through this method. So it's, it's really taking the traditional benefits and lifting off the little bit, little bit, and, and then getting in there and uh, doing things a little more transparent, both with the self-funding, with the prescription drugs. So that's a, that's a specialty of mine um, and tends to be kind of mid-sized companies throughout the U.S. So now, are there certain types of companies that that's more appropriate? I would imagine older folks that use more medication? Well, no, actually, you know, if, if um, it's everybody that uses Rx, I mean, you think about it, unfortunately, I was watching the Olympics and, and there's just, you know, advertisement after advertisement after advertisement for prescription drugs. I think that's our expectation. When we go to the a doctor anymore. We, we talk to the doctor, young or old, and we expect to walk out with a prescription. So it's really what medicine has become in America. And young or old, using prescription drugs is, in, is part of what we do for healthcare. So any, any employer for prescription drugs has the opportunity to save money. For those who are looking at self-funded you know, or partially self-funded, you have to be a little bit larger to make the numbers make sense. So 250, 300 employees or above is, is what makes the most sense for that. 
So if there's somebody that has a firm, maybe a fast-growing firm that's getting into that range, it would be definitely worth a conversation with you or somebody on your team to discuss um, how that could play out for them. Yeah, absolutely. And back to your earlier uh, point about this being less transactional and more consultative, this is a perfect example of how this becomes way more of a conversation and consultative and a partnership. Because if, if an employer goes partially self-funded, essentially they're funding all of the claims. Now, instead of saying, wow, that insurance company won't cover fill in the blank, that procedure, it's a decision that's made by the employer, not the insurance company. <laughs> so it, it changes that whole equation. And that's where a partnership and what we do makes a lot more sense and is really effective. And I would imagine if they go that route, then all of a sudden you're seeing a lot more kind of wellness things and being proactive about health in those organizations as well. Well, absolutely. And the the one thing that we've seen is um, a recognition, particularly during the pandemic of COVID, we've seen a recognition that mental health is really important. In fact, I think everyone, including myself, when you spend long hours alone and you're working remotely, you realize uh, the importance of mental health. And so that is a great example of employers saying, if we focus more on mental health, that becomes whole health and it reduces claims. For example, in the United States, we have documented evidence that those who had care for, uh, for heart failure, their cost of care was 29% higher when the consumer was, would also had depression. And those who had osteoarthritis, 38% higher. And those with cancer and depression had total annual healthcare expenses 113% higher than those with cancer alone. So addressing mental health before the pandemic wasn't really a big deal. Now, because it opened up everybody's eyes on what it is, it's the health of the whole person, really has made employers wanting to address it and it's, it pays off. So you're seeing that that's a trend you're seeing now that mental health is now becoming uh, part of this whole health benefit where maybe that was kind of, like you said, a nice to have. It's now becoming a must have. Yes, that is something for sure that we've seen. And then also just convenience care. And this is a way to reduce costs or be smarter about your benefits, too. So convenience care, virtual care, telemedicine, I think we've all heard about it by now. But if we can, you know, if you really think about yourself going into a doctor's office nowadays and sitting in a crowded waiting room for 45 minutes with everybody coughing. It just, I think it gives everybody a little bit of an uncomfortable feeling. And so all providing alternatives for care that don't include that traditional waiting room experience through a telemedicine option, telehealth, including the mental health. Now you can actually, with the way everything's changed, have a, a counseling session with somebody on the phone. And that wasn't the case prior to the pandemic. So now if somebody wants to learn more about what you got going on, what is kind of the typical pain point that at least starts a conversation with you or somebody on your team? Is there something that happens? Is it the bill that, oh, it's time now to do the annual insurance and this is getting out of hand and then I call you or it, like what's kind of the order of things? Usually we're most effective when it comes to someone asking the question or, or, or th looking at the expenses and saying, there's got to be a better way to do this. Benefits is, is usually one of the most expensive line item for a company. 
and basically we help companies provide the most appropriate benefits for their targeted employees and recruits like we talked about. So that's number one is a financial pain point. Number two is a service pain point. There might be unhappy employees who've struggled with the programs they've got. Maybe they're confusing. I think most of us are overwhelmed with all of the information coming at us and benefits is no exception. So there's something called the paradox of choice. If too many benefit options are just shotgunned at your employees, they become confused and freeze up. So that frustration in that experience is where we often would get a call. Help us communicate this better. Help uh, us with our service. Help us fix this. Uh, and then I think the last point is, especially right now, I'm so frustrated with trying to get people to work. What do I do? Is there a better plan to attract and retain employees? So those are probably the three biggest pain points, cost, service frustration, and attracting and retaining employees effectively. Well, Doug, thank you so much for sharing your story today. If somebody wants to learn more, what's the website? The website is burnhambenefits.com, and that's B-U-R-N-H-A-M. Good stuff. Well, thank you again for sharing your story. You're doing important work, and we appreciate you. Thank you, Lee. All right, this is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on High Velocity Radio.